I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kind of Cute Podcast. And if you're new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Guys, I have some exciting news, not really in the podcast world, but in my own personal life. Last minute, my family is going to Spain next week. I'm very excited. We're going to Mallorca, Madrid. I've been to Madrid, have not been to Mallorca. I just feel so crazy to be like going on an actual trip again. And just last minute, my parents like called me two nights ago and were like, okay, <laughs> let's do it. So um, I will probably be going on a little bit of a podcast vacation, not next week, but the week after. So just wanted to prepare you guys. Didn't want you to get, you know, some separation anxiety from me. But let's get into our topic today. We have some fun stuff. So <laughs> you know you already know. I am obsessed with the fact that Salma Hayek has an owl that she bought for her husband and named it Carrig after the like conglomerate that her husband is the CEO of, the one that owns Gucci and all these other powerhouse places. He has bang. I mean, Salma definitely does not need to work if she didn't want to, if she wasn't an amazing, incredible actress. Um, so yes, she has this owl. So Salma was on the Ellen show last week and she was promoing a new movie she has coming out but of course the conversation just switches to all about her owl (laughs) I'm gonna insert some audio about it but she she tells this story about how an important celeb was over at her home and the owl Carrick regurgitates on this special important celeb's head now, I don't know if anyone else did this. I feel like people, other people got to dissect way cooler things. When I was in elementary school, I had to dissect a regurgitated owl pellet. So I feel like I know exactly what this looked like. <laughs> and she explained it as having all the rat hair that it had eaten in it. So just imagine that famous celeb over, you know, regurgitates on his head. The worst is when they like... They, there's this ball of hair that comes out of their mouth. Yeah, after they eat the, one, yeah, the animal, then they regurgitate the hair of the animal. Yep. Yes, and, and one time there was a very important celebrity, I will not say his name, and he was really excited about the owl and was hoping that the owl would go on his head because it was on me. And he's like, oh, I need an owl in my life. How do you do that? And the minute he least expected it, it came on his head, but then he, he did the thing. And this thing about this ball of rat hair was on his head. Now, I want you to guess about who you think this might be. (laughs) And at first, she's not saying. She's like, oh, I don't want to get in trouble. And then at the very end, Ellen's just like, come on, tell us. Just just tell us. And she's like, okay, it was Harry Styles. And she's like, oh, no, I hope I don't get in trouble. So if that isn't just hilarious enough on its own, this has confirmed some rumors that Harry himself is going to be in the Eternals, which is this new uh, Marvel concept coming out that looks so cool. It has so many people in it. And um, I think he's going to be making a cameo. So, you know, they try to keep a lot of the Marvel stuff really secretive. So I think she did kind of fuck up by saying that Harry was at her house because Selma is also in the Eternals. So people put two and two together. Like, why would these two have been hanging out? And there was already rumors because there had been some like questionable tweets and stuff that people in the business had made that made it seem like he was going to be in this movie. And, uh, yeah, they, the rumor is that Harry is going to play 
Star Fox, who's actually the brother of Thanos. Now, Thanos is like the big bad in the Marvel Universe. And I don't know what Star Fox looks like in the Marvel canon, but I can't imagine Harry playing anyone who looks like Thanos. Thanos, to me, not my kind of vibe. I mean, he's computer generated, but I would think you have to be really into that beefy boy look to like think he's he's attractive. And I mean, Harry is the opposite of a beefy boy. So I don't know. I I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know if he's going to be a CGI character, but you heard it here first. Harry Styles, I agree. I think he's definitely going to be in the Eternals. While I'm at it and I'm talking about this Salma Hayek Ellen interview, uh, I I just wanted to share some other things from that. First off, I have to say, I hadn't watched an Ellen interview in a while, and I just, I don't think she's that great of an interviewer. I really felt like Salma was just carrying this interview with her charm, and like, Ellen didn't even know the name of her owl. If I was doing this, I would have definitely, you know, acknowledged that I know its name is Caring, but she didn't. She asked her. And uh, some funny stories from it is that Salma was like, the worst is when my feet come out of the sheets and the owl thinks that my toes are mice (laughs) and she attacks them. (laughs) And then she lists off all the animals she has. She has a lot. She has a whole little menagerie in there. And then when she gets to saying she has a cat, she says, unfortunately, I was just like, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely like a dog person, but I am not a cat hater. I would love to have a cat if I wasn't allergic to cats I would love to have one so I was just like "Ooh, the the cat the cat mamas are not going to be happy about that and then when the owl she's trying to get on on camera so you know Ellen can see it and she's like well they disturbed her like while she was eating and she literally has a mouse in her mouth <laughs> and I'm like this is why you don't own owls people they are not pets and then the other part of this interview that I actually just thought was problematic and they were just laughing about it like, ha ha ha. I mean, it it was kind of funny, but, you know, really speaks to our diet culture and the way our world works. Ellen was complimenting her bikini photos and Salma says, yeah, you know, whenever I go on vacation, the week or two before I go on a really extreme diet so that I look good in my bikini photos. And then when I get there... I take a lot of pictures so that I'm set for a few months and I could just post these bikini photos. And I was just like, I mean, touche. And I think a lot of people do that. Like a lot of girls like going on spring break or whatever. But I don't know if I really support that narrative. And I don't know if she should be um, putting that out there to the young women of the world. But it was uh, entertaining. The whole the whole interview, I watched all 10 minutes of it that was in the YouTube clip and it was pretty entertaining but like I said Sama was carrying it okay guys I have to talk about the Eric Jane situation we haven't talked about it in a while I know there's so many other podcasts who are covering covering this way more in depth but being a lawyer myself I felt like this was something I could kind of comment on and give my two cents so on Monday June 14th the hustler and the housewife dropped on Hulu it was an ABC News documentary if you haven't seen it yet and you have Hulu, I thought it was pretty well done. And they have Danielle Staub on, who's from Real Housewives of New Jersey, and it's just a complete train wreck. And I was like, why the hell is she on? And then it comes out that she actually was worked at the same strip club, go-go dancing club that Erica worked at, which I didn't know. So fun fact on that. They had Dana Wilkie on, who does 
sunglasses, $25,000, $25,000. That girl, if you remember that from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and she now has her own podcast. I think she kind of talks about celebrity drama. I find her highly annoying. I mean, there's just something about her beyond the $25,000 sunglasses that rubs me the wrong way. But they also had on Heather McDonald from Juicy Scoop. And uh, I thought Heather was a good person to come on because Heather actually interviewed one of the women who was who worked for Tom Girardi. And she that's that's a podcast worth worth listening to. I've sent it to my friends because she worked for Tom because she had seen Aaron Brockovich and she realized that Tom was the one associated with that. And she's like, I feel like he's the best. I want to work with him. Um, cause she had had some, she had had some issues and trauma in her life already because her son had played football and he had experienced traumatic brain injuries from it. And he later went on to die in a motorcycle accident years later. This was after she was already working for Tom and one of her really good friends, uh, was her son was involved in a gas pipe explosion, a, a pretty famous gas pipe explosion that happened out in California. And he was severely burned all over his body. His girlfriend died in the fire. I mean, just a truly tragic event. And, because she was working for Tom at that time, she referred her friend to Tom to handle the the case um, to recover money for her son. And just to refresh y'all's memory, a lot of the allegations against Tom have to do with him um, not only commingling client funds in his trust account, but literally stealing them, not giving clients what they had earned through their settlement, through their trials, and keeping them for himself, and almost kind of reinvesting them back in his business. And because of how much power he had, he I mean, he was tight with Gavin Newsom, he was one, who's the current governor of California, uh, giving him tons of money for his election campaigns. The guy had a lot of power, and I think that's why it's taken a long time for this really to reach ahead, because judges were in his back pocket. He just had a lot of people at his beck and call. Okay, we've kind of talked about this before, but I just wanted to give you a little recap. And the documentary does a really good job kind of in the second half of it of just really giving a face and a heart to these people who were just completely fucked over. And really, you know, the, the documentary makes it kind of clear that this is like one. It is the worst thing a lawyer can do. And I, I, I think that's true. I mean, it's it's awful. Um, So because of all of this and you come to find out they show some deposition video from Tom and he basically admits that all of his money is blown. Like he had 80 million, $50 million in cash. He, he's not sure how much, you know, a casual 30 million. He, he's not sure about that, but that's all gone. Everything from his savings is gone. So because of that, and because of all these claims against him, a bankruptcy case was started and Girardi is the creditor. It's not technically Erica listed as the, I'm sorry, the the debtor. Erica's not technically listed, but because they're married, obviously, you know, marital assets, they're all tied up. They're tied up in this together. And because of the divorce, uh, Erica has her own separate counsel to represent her in the bankruptcy case. So this documentary comes out on Monday, June 14th. The very next day, her attorneys and her bankruptcy case withdraw. And I was reading the actual motion that they filed. Um, 
And again, the timing of it is fascinating because it straight up says no later than June 14th, 2021, Ms. Girardi learned of the firm's withdrawal and the firm's willingness to facilitate the transfer of Ms. Girardi's client file to new counsel. Uh, counsel encouraged Ms. Girardi to locate replacement counsel. So again, they must have... I don't know if it's just coincidence, but I find that hard to believe. It sounds like they catch wind of the documentary on June 14th, tell her they're no longer representing her, and then they file this motion on June 15th. They lay out that the reason they're withdrawing is because the relationship of trust and confidence that is essential to a properly functioning attorney-client relationship has broken down, and in the good faith assessment of counsel, the relationship is irreparable. Withdrawal is appropriate under such circumstances. If the court concludes that additional information regarding the nature of the breakdown is necessary to decide the motion, counsel requests the opportunity to present such evidence in camera to protect the confidential nature of the relationship between the counsel and his client. So, in-camera review happens when it's just the judge reviewing it to protect the records because attorney-client confidentiality, as I'm sure everyone knows, is a very you know sacred thing as well. And this allows the judge to make a decision without it becoming public court record. And they're just reviewing it on their own. And like I said, they just make a call on it. Um, I thought this is what stood out to me. And I don't know if other people have been talking about this. The the bar rules, this is a federal case. It's, bankruptcies are, they're federal. Um, but you usually still cite to some of the the state law of where it's being brought. So it obviously cites to the California bar rules. And I had read the whole list of the reasons you can withdraw. And the one that I thought would apply was number four. It's the client by other conduct renders conduct renders it unreasonably difficult for the lawyer to carry out the representation effectively. So they end up citing that in their motion. I was looking at the rules before I got to that part of the motion. And then it says they also cite 10, which says the lawyer believes in good faith in a proceeding pending before a tribunal that the tribunal will find the existence of other good cause for withdrawal. This is what's interesting to me. I think they could have just quoted that language and that been it. The fact that they go into it and say that trust and confidence has broken down and the relationship has broken down and give that little extra thing when they know that this is public record, they know that the media is going to have a heyday with this. I found that really interesting because they could have just literally left it at citing the bar rules and saying that if the count, if the court needed more information, they could have done an in-camera review. But I feel like they dragged her a little bit by saying that trust and confidence broke down. I also thought it was fascinating because the list of creditors on this bankruptcy case, it is long, guys. I mean, there are a lot of people coming for the Girardi's money. So I think all of their assets are going to be seized. It's just a matter of time. Um, It's the whole thing really is wild. And my heart goes out to these victims who, when you've been through such trauma, it's like, obviously money can't solve your problem. It can't make things go away but at least it can maybe make things a little more comfortable and a little more easy and oh the fact that he took advantage of that it's just it's sickening (sighs) okay speaking of money big money um alex cooper from the call her daddy podcast if you go back uh in my in my episode files we did kind of a little you know, a little discussion of the breakdown between Alex Cooper and Sophia Franklin. And they originally had the podcast together. There was kind of a falling out over their business renegotiation. Um, and part of the issue was because they were under Barstool Sports, which is, to me, a horrible, misogynistic, 
uh, whatever his name is, Dave Portnoy. Ew, barf. Hate him. He's the head of it. He's the president of it. And I think he just sucks. I think he hates women. I think he objectifies women. And so it was always kind of odd to me that this, like, well, they, they pegged themselves as women empowerment. I'm not sure if that's really what was given in this, but hypothetically, okay. And I do think part of the reason that they had this lightning in a bottle moment is because they originally were signed with uh, Barstool Sports, so they had this kind of built-in marketing. Um, but they just outgrew it, and, and Barstool Sports was not paying them their worth. But when the split happened between Alex Cooper and Sophia Franklin, Alex Cooper stayed on as the sole host, and she stayed with Barstool Sports. Now they were coming up on their one year, so they must have had a one-year contract uh, starting in 2020, Alex and Barstool Sports. So it was just announced that Spotify is taking over exclusive rights to call her daddy. So now if you want to listen to it, the new episodes will be on Spotify. And they gave her $60 million for this deal. So Alex Cooper is sitting pretty. Let's just put it that way. And I'm sure, you know, I think Sophia is doing great on her own on her own podcast. But I think that was probably a hard pill to swallow. Um because like I said, I'm sure she, her, her podcast is very successful, but she doesn't have a $60, $60 million deal yet. It's just, ooh, it's crazy. Um, this is completely in another direction, but I read a New York Times article that was saying that natural deodorant maybe not be like all it's cracked up to be and that it might not actually be healthier than aluminum-based antiperspirants. So most any antiperspirant, it uses aluminum to help uh, stop sweat from happening. Natural deodorants aren't as great at that. They're just helping the smell. And I was on a whole journey, you know, switching to natural deodorant. It, there really is a detox period. That part is true. If you hear that, it is true. I was just smelly. And I live in Florida. Like, I sweat a shit ton. Um and I need to be smelling good. So I still am like, I don't know if the natural, maybe I just have nose blindness to it as a Febreze commercial would say, but I've been on this. I've, I've switched. It's been over a year now. And, uh, and then I read this article and now I'm like, do I just go back to my damn antiperspirants? <laughs> Can someone please advise? Like, I just don't know what to think. Northwest, uh, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West's oldest daughter, she had a poop themed emoji party. And I just love this so much. I need more photos from it. The only photo I saw was North and like all of her little friends. They're all lined up and they're wearing like, um, you know, like the little towels that have the hood on them that are so cute. And you like wear them after you're in the pool. That's what they look like to me. Uh, and they're the poop emoji. And I just love envisioning Kim Kardashian on the phone with the party planner being like, yes, Wendy, um, so we're going to need poop emoji decor, just like not actual shit, okay? Just just the poop emoji, make it cute, have the eyes, have the little tongue sticking out. Thank you so much. I, I just fucking love it. This is another wild story. Maybe not as wild as poop emoji, but Ewan McGregor's daughter, who I actually did not know is in the business, she's very stunning. She has very like New York cool girl looks to her. Her name's Clara. Uh, she's 25 years old and she was appearing on the red carpet for her movie. It's called The Birthday Cake. It's actually video on demand because she tweeted, when a dog bite lands you in the ER 30 minutes before the red carpet emoji. Thank you, the Mob Museum, for having us. The Birthday Cake movie comes out in theaters and on video on demand June 18th. Oh, I'm sorry. It's also in theaters. I missed that part. 
So there was a cat, there was a series of photos and one of them is her in the hospital. So yeah, she was bitten across the face. It's like on her nose. And it's just crazy because I was like, maybe they couldn't have wiped the blood off, but like she still has the blood on her face for the movie premiere. I'm like, couldn't we have used a little alcohol swipe? Just clean it up a little bit? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it probably needed to stay on there to, to scab over, but I mean, good for her. She doesn't try to cover that up with any makeup. She just rocks it. But what really enlightened me about this page six article was that I did not know this either. Maybe her, the PR was a good job in covering this up, but it says that Clara and her father appear to have made amends since she publicly called him an asshole in 2019 for leaving her mother, Eve Mavrakis, for his Fargo co-star, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I did not know he was such a little cheating hoe. And I mean, Obi-Wan Kenobi, are you really on the good side, honey? Uh <laughs> And I guess what, you know, the asshole comment, it was to give, I I dug into this. So she shared a photo of her mother in a bikini looking glamorous. She captured it. My mother, ladies and gentlemen, 50 is the new 30, apparently. And a fan replied, keep her away from your boyfriends. And then Clara responded, I keep her away from asshole men who leave my goddess of a mother. So I actually feel like it was pretty innocuous. I don't even know if that means that, you know, that she was really hating on Ewan at the time, but she did apparently call Mary Elizabeth, his new, his new lover, a piece of trash. And she says she regrets that. Uh, She said it wasn't her finest moment. So I don't know. That was just a piece of pop culture history that I wasn't aware of. Maybe it's common knowledge, but I didn't know. All right. um, I think we're ready to get into our first article of the day. It's, Starts out, the actress and pop star who is always unapologetically herself by Olivia Evans. Now, based on that uh, title, I don't know if I would immediately guess who this is about, but it is about Mandy Moore. And really, this is just an ad for the Garnier hair products because she's an ambassador. And apparently, she dyed her hair with Garnier box dye to make it blonde, which I have a really hard time believing, but um, sure. But there was just some funny parts of this that I wanted to share because they made me laugh. And Olivia asks, you've been famous for most of your life. How has that impacted your relationship with beauty? And she says, it's never felt like a burden to me. And she kind of describes how she's never had to, she's been really lucky because she's never had to work with people who forced her to do anything. And she didn't really have those scary stories that you often hear about young people who are in the industry being taken advantage of. And She says, I never had those situations, maybe because I was the fourth in line in terms of the pop star. You had the Britneys and the Christinas and the Jessica Simpsons and then me. People were like, eh, she can do whatever she wants. She's the youngest and most boring of all. (laughs) I think that allowed me to carve out my own little niche of just being myself. Y'all know I love when people are just incredibly self-aware. And I love that Mandy Moore was like, I was a fourth tier pop star, like, I was below Jessica Simpson and no one gave a shit. I was just out there singing candy. I was in Princess Diaries. <laughs> I just think it's funny. Um, she's asked what her favorite affordable beauty product is. And she says, I love a good coconut oil. I think it's multi function and multi-purpose you can use it to remove makeup i have some sitting on my counter right by my hand so when i get out of the shower i put it on my cats are obsessed with it 
Okay, I want to talk about this because I'm like, are we still in 2021 acting like coconut oil is a end-all be-all? You know what I like coconut oil? I like coconut oil mixed in my chocolate chips so that I can coat my dates with peanut butter in it, a little chocolate-covered strawberry. It makes the consistency of the chocolate just right. That is what I like coconut oil. And I'm not trying to hate on it, but like, honey, I'm sure you're going for the full body facials. You're getting a whole scrubby rub down. You're, I mean, let's, you're getting Botox. You look amazing. You look gorgeous. Let's not, let's not say it's, it's the coconut oil. And I know she was specifically asked for an affordable beauty product, but like, mm. but speaking of one thing that I love that she said in this, she was asked fill in the blank. Unfortunately, blank is worth it. And I think Olivia was probably expecting her to be like Augustinus Bader skin cream but instead she says chocolate chip cookies <laughs> always in any form i'm not going to pass up a chocolate chip cookie fresh baked store-bought it's always going to tick that box for me you can never really go wrong and honestly i agree with this like there's something about a chocolate chip cookie it's amazing it's just it really does give you that little hit of dopamine right away and they're, they're a perfect food. Bless that person who was trying to make chocolate cookies and accidentally put just the chocolate chips in thinking they would melt and they didn't and chocolate chip cookies were born. Shout out to you. All right. Our next article, Rose Montefeo is weirder than you think for the Starstruck creator, Starstruck creator, period, sex and banter are the stuff of high romantic fantasy by Carenza Cadenas. Starstruck is my latest binge. It's on HBO. I loved it so much it's short the episodes are short you can binge it honestly in a night that's what we did she stars in it she created it and the general concept is that rose is kind of pegged as this just like everyday girl she's living in london she's working two jobs she's kind of struggling she's a little bit messy she likes getting out she likes going out getting drunk on new year's eve she gets wasted she meets this guy in the bathroom come to find out he's a famous movie star this all happens like in the first 10 minutes of the first episode so i'm not spoiling anything for you here and the series kind of just um follows the two of them in this relationship that starts out in this New Year's Eve bathroom. And so obviously this is like every fantasy. I mean, meeting a fan. The thing is, I could never meet a famous person in the bathroom and not know who they are. They always like, oh, yeah, like celebrities like it when you just are like unbothered. And I I wouldn't be like starstruck. I could play it cool, but I could not lie and pretend that I didn't know who they were. Like, that's just facts. Like, I would have to be like, yes, I I probably talked about you on episode 52. You know, <laughs> like there's no getting around it. So while it is my fantasy, I think it's it, it would play out a little different for me if I was ever lucky enough for this to happen. And in the article, it says uh, that Rose pokes fun at the term manic pixie dream girl, which first appeared in reviews of Cameron Coe's 2005 film Elizabeth Town, which is hilarious to me that Kirsten Dunst was in that. And I guess she was it's funny to me that she was the original manic pixie dream girl, because to me, it's so like a Zoe Deschanel in summer, whatever that summer movie is. Uh, 500 Days of Summer? Yeah. Um, she says her character is bordering on Manic Pixie Dream Girl vibes, but thankfully I'm not white. I'm only half white, so I can get away with that. But I don't get Manic Pixie from her character at all. She's a little bit messy, a little rough around the edges. I found her pretty relatable. Like, And, and in my mind, Manic Pixie Dream Girls aren't necessarily relatable. They're kind of on this different realm, and they just seem like something plucked out of a male fantasy. I think it's very clear that her character in Starstruck is is made from a, a woman, you know? And 
I love because Carenza uh, says that talking to her is just a lightning round of pop culture and film references because she's very into kind of highbrow and lowbrow stuff. So I obviously love that, even though I'm more of a lowbrow girl. Um, and she just really loves the rom-com genre. She says so many classic films are rom-coms, but it's like, oh, they aren't like those bad ones. When you're a fan of a genre, you have love for every end of the spectrum. The bad informs the good. You have to have an appreciation for it and knowledge of it to operate within the genre. And I thought this quote was so true. And I think it's actually something that Mindy Kaling also does really well, operating within this framework, but kind of twisting it and modernizing it in a way that is just so refreshing and fun and frothy and just feels like a cool sip of milkshake when you drink it. Like that is how I feel when I watch these shows and they're just good for the heart. And I, I'm always going to gravitate towards that type of thing over anything else. And I, I just love, I love that this exists in the entertainment world. I'm so excited to see what she does yet next. I just think she has such a cool voice and I, I, she talks about one of the most important parts of the relationship between her character and, Tom's character in the show is their chemistry which she she attributes a lot to the banter between the two of them and that was one of the things I noticed watching it is that the dialogue in it is so well written and she said this was really carefully um mapped out between her and her co-creator and a writer so she says how do we do that of you know writing modern banter banter particularly in the UK that's a deeply attractive quality if someone has good banter I think that's such a sexy thing and I mean she really nails it on the head and I, I also just love don't you love like any person with like an Essex accent I'm thinking of Chloe she's on Netflix she was on Circle and Too Hot to Handle she's, oh just love a good bounce you can't go wrong I'm sorry like why do I always I feel like I try to do an accent and it's like just it's awful and I apologize but I love it it's also like a milkshake to the soul guys I'm so sorry I skipped a deep cut and I think about this a lot you know I like to alternate between the two of them last week so this week we have and I think about this a lot Whew, this is a doozy this is from February 10th 2018 and Kim Cattrall famously Samantha on Sex in the City she put on her Instagram a little like the picture is a screenshot of text and it says, I don't need your love and support at this tragic, tragic time, Sarah Jessica Parker. My mom asked me today, I think this was, I should know this. This was after like a death in her family. And, um, the caption says, my mom asked me today, when will that Sarah Jessica Parker, that hypocrite leave you alone? You're con- Continuous reaching out is a painful reminder of how cruel you really were then and now. Let me make this very clear if I haven't already. You are not my family. You are not my friend. So I'm writing to tell you one last time to stop exploiting our tragedy in order to restore your nice girl persona. Copy and paste link. And it's then a link to an NY Post article titled Inside the Mean Girls Culture That Destroyed Sex in the City. A few things about this. A. Kemp still has this Instagram on her Instagram. She did not dirty delete it. It is still there. It only has 77,740 likes. I feel like this should have millions. I mean, this may be the the wildest Instagram to ever be posted. I also have to say I was inspired by this by someone I follow on Instagram, Emily Schultz. She used to work for Bon Appetit. She was like, I think about this a lot. And I was like, holy shit, I have forgotten about this. But I will now be thinking about this a lot. And um, the the article, the New York Post article, 
talks about how Sarah Jessica Parker said that a third Sex in the City wasn't going to happen. And then there was this kind of flurry of articles about the reason it wasn't happening is because Kim Cattrall um, had too many demands. And so it just it wasn't going to happen. Um and Cattrall tweeted, woke to a mail online shitstorm. The only demand, actually poop emoji storm. Northwest would be, be proud. The only ever demand I made was that I didn't want to do a third film. And that was back in 2016. And she really was villainized throughout this process. But the article goes on to say that it really did seem like there was a, well, and Kim obviously by referencing this article was, alluding to the truth of this that apparently it was clicky on set and the other three actors cynthia nixon kristen davis and sarah jessica parker would like go off they would stay in a house together they would leave kim out they would just constantly not include her and it it caused this awkwardness on set and i i don't know i i Ooh, I, I feel like I totally believe Kim that this happened, but I also kind of understand that sometimes you just don't click with someone. And I don't know if that means like necessarily like you're actively trying to leave them out, but they might have honestly felt that Kim just did not want to hang out with them. But I think at the end of the day, when you're on a show of that caliber and that amount of fame, not even inviting her, that to me does show that like these issues ran deep and it's actually surprising this they were able to do two movies. Um, and obviously this is timely with the new Sex in the City filming and, and coming out pretty soon. It's going to be on HBO. Uh, I'm really interested to see how that's going to play out. I think Samantha is the star of that show. I, I don't think it's, will ever be as good without her. Oh, I'm sorry guys. That was my like alarm because I literally have to go to work and do a depot in five minutes. Um, but before we do that, I wanted to get my legit sh- before we do that. Yeah, before I go do my actual job. Oh, I also have to say this whole thing kind of reminds me of the original Call Her Daddy drama. I mean, I, I hate girl on girl drama. It makes me just really sad. And I just wish. Uh, but, uh, I, I, but again, it's like I get it. It's, uh, I get it. But it also makes me sad. I guess that that's how we'll end that since I have to go. My legit shit is the Briogeo Super Moisture Shampoo. It smells so delightful. It gives me herbal essence vibes. Uh, Briogeo is a black-owned business. Juneteenth was just named as a national, I'm sorry, a federal holiday. And I really love the shampoo. I just got it um, a little while ago from Sephora and it just smells so delicious. And I think it it works really well. Like I think my hair be looking kind of cute. So that's it for today's episode and I will see you next week. Bye.